Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to For Real, your podcast about documentaries. I'm Special K. And I'm Matt. And uh, we have a good one for you this week. But first, Matt, man, how's it going? It's going good, man. Uh, you know, I went out with my, my older brother last night, went, did some karaokeing. Oh. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it had, you know, good times all around. I, I spent all day, you know, praying for death's sweet release, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've recovered sufficiently, uh, had enough, uh, Advil to knock out an elephant and I'm good to go. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear what, uh, what songs you sing? <laughs> I butchered, uh, Brandy. Brandy. Like the singer Brandy or the song? Oh, like Brandy, Brandy you're, a you're a fine girl. girl. Yeah. What a good wife yeah. you would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm Still Standing mm. by Elton John. Okay. And uh, then I just watched my brother sing because he can actually do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, well, I, uh, I sound like a cat being tortured. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never, never been much of a karaoke guy myself. Me either, but I was uh, socially lubricated enough at that point that I. Uh-huh. Yeah, the old liquid courage that'll get you up there. Listen, I had a lot of courage last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, man! Yeah, yeah, nothing too new here. Just uh, you know, living life. What uh, what do you got for the correction section this week? Anything? Yes, I do actually. Okay, I, all I right. Found some notes here. Um, I actually got actually another one from a, one of our fans. Mm. Where? Oh, there it is. Okay. So last podcast, I said there are like millions of neurons in the brain. Okay. And uh, I went and Googled it. Apparently, our we have a hundred billion neurons oh. in our brain. So okay. I was off by a couple of couple of zeros. Oh yeah. Um. I I looked up hypnosis. Okay. I mean. It's kind of a, you know, 50-50, but it's Time Magazine called it a science. Wow. So, uh, and, and studies have shown that hypnosis does have effects on the brain. Okay. Okay. All right. And last but not least, this was from our most recent, uh, it's from our, one of our fans. That he said, I just listened to another episode of you. Okay. Of you guys. He said, tell Kay he's very wrong because Maury comes from Maurice, and that is French from Latin. The pronunciation in those languages is not open to interpretation. Oh, we got a linguistic expert here. Yeah, that's my brother-in-law. Um, everybody in that family is, is so smart. I don't know why my, my wife married down like she did, but, you know, I th- God bless her for it. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. I'm I'm dead wrong. Uh, yeah. When it comes to my, my pronunciation, my pronunciation of the name Mori. So More. More, not Mar. So it's so it's, we say it's from Maurice. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense because I'd say Maurice. I wouldn't say yeah, Mar- Maurice, Maurice, Maurice. Yeah. I would go. I would probably go with my middle name, unless it was like Christina or something. Hey, I don't mind. I don't mind Maurice. That's not a bad name. More, more, I, I don't know. See, I would. I don't know. Wait. Oh, hey, okay. If I was wrong, I was wrong. That's fine. Yep. So that's, that's okay. Uh, 
you know, unfortunate then, side effect of, of people listening to us, which once again, thank you all our viewers out there. You guys uh-huh. have been crushing it. Our numbers are climbing pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, we don't mind. I don't mind. Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't mind being told I'm wrong if I'm wrong about something, but, uh, if I'm right, I also, you know, I'll, I'll never tell you that you're right <laughs> an argument and you're correct. And I'm wrong. And I realize it midway through, I'm just going to keep on arguing. <laughs> That's. <laughs> and then the other thing I do want to address, if you listen to last week's episode, uh, our Bob Lazar, uh, episode, uh, Obviously, our audio wasn't the best last week, and uh, I know I just said that I'll take responsibility for if I'm wrong or something, but I'm going to blame this one on a government conspiracy. I really think that the government was trying to censor us, uh, or aliens were trying to censor us. I'm not sure. I'll blame it on either party. Um, the audio, audio file sounded great for me. Everything sounded fine. We uploaded it. It sounded like crap. It and- sounded okay on my end when I listened to it. And so uh, it sounded sound a little off. Didn't sound quite right. Again, I'm going to blame, I'm going to blame that on, on either the government or aliens. Uh, well, we're so definitely the, lizard men from the center of the earth or, or lizards. Aliens. Or yeah. lizards, lizards from the modern yeah, space. space. So, but if you have any problems, uh, you know, write your senator or something like that. But uh, I'm not going to take responsibility for that. Or so, send your complaints to Kay at cancel oh, this podcast. Yeah, cancel the yeah, yeah, cancel the podcast, cancel the podcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm never gonna get that right. We're getting we're getting some good uh, some good recommendations. So keep those coming. We definitely have those on the on the watch list. We got kind of a schedule going up. Um, so we, we, we like some of the recommendations we're getting. Uh, if one of you bastards recommend a movie like Sasquatch to me again, I'm gonna delete the freaking email account. So that's all I gotta say. <laughs> Did somebody recommend Sasquatch? Or did yes, we just- Sasquatch was re- it didn't come through the email, but it was it was recommended by a couple people, um, and then obviously when I looked into it and I saw what it was supposed to be about. I thought it was awesome, and then I watched it and I wasted that amount of time of my life. So, just the people that recommended that movie to me, I just I I remember, we're not gonna keep going back to it, but I do want you to know that when I'm laying on my deathbed, uh, I am gonna look back on on that time that that movie took to watch, and I'm gonna just be cursing you. Uh, for taking the time from me just so you're aware that's that seems fair <laughs> i'm probably gonna you know regret things like not putting any more money in my 401k or you know spending more time with my family but i i will also this the watching the sas uh, the sasquatch documentary that's going to be on the top 10 <laughs> it's going to be probably number six or seven but uh it's going the top 10 yeah yeah so but this week's this week's documentary uh, is very good. Yeah I, yeah, I don't feel that way about this week's documentary. This doc- week's documentary was really good. Uh, this week, we are covering uh, Netflix's "Evil Genius: The True Story of America's Most Diabolical Bank Heist." Uh, that might be one of the longest documentary titles I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, it was a you know a docu series released in t- two thousand eighteen. Uh, it was directed. Uh, it, it was a long title and a long documentary. But... <laughs> yeah. So it was co-directed uh, by Barbara Schroeder and Trey. This is another episode, another last name. I apologize. Borzillarelli. Sure. And Trey is actually in this documentary. Uh, he, he does make an appearance in this documentary, but it is, it is co-directed 
um, between Trey and Barbara. So the synopsis, the brief synopsis here is uh, the extraordinary story of the quote pizza bomber heist uh, and the FBI's investigation into a bizarre collection of suspects. Listen, if you guys have seen 30 minutes or less, it's got Danny McBride in Aziz Ansari, two other people whose names I don't know. Uh, It's basically like sort of got the same concept. You know, they put a bomber on this guy's neck, this pizza guy's neck and uh, told him to go rob a bank, Mm -hmm. which what kind of twisted fuck thinks that up? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that movie that uh, came out in 2011, I believe. The, the the actual robbery itself took place in 2003. Uh, yeah, 2011, that movie came out. It has Jesse Eisenberg. I think Nick Swartzen's also in it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad movie. Dame McBride is hilarious in pretty much anything he does, so I'll watch. That man, that man is, is gold. Um, but, yeah, that's a little fun fact that this event, this documentary, the event of this documentary, the subject of this documentary did inspire that movie. Um, and before we get started, I guess I typically usually ask this. Do you remember this was like a this was a big story, I guess, at the time back in 2003 uh, when it actually happened. Do you recall hearing anything about the story back when it was like fresh and real? I think I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I didn't really pay attention to the news and I lived out in the country. I got three channels and one of them was the Spanish channel. So, you know, I didn't get catch a whole lot of news. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, you know, working all the time and shit. So I, I don't remember this. I, I didn't realize this was an actual thing that had happened. I saw 30 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's a funny concept. And then I was like, saw the documentary. I'm like, Oh, this isn't funny at all. <laughs> yeah. This is awful. Yeah, I uh, I don't rem- I don't remember again. I, maybe we're just too young, weren't paying attention. But um, yeah, I don't remember hearing about this actual event when it happened. I do remember the movie. I, I did see the movie. Um, thirty seconds it's, or le- 30, 30 minutes or less. Um, wasn't very good. Yeah, it wasn't. It's not. It's not a great movie. I mean, Daniel Bride's good. I like Daniel Bride in it, but it's not a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when that movie came out. I do remember learning about this. This book with documentaries about then because people were saying like it's based on this event. And I do remember there being a little bit of people like where people kind of felt like it was in bad taste uh, because of what yeah. happened the situation and uh, which, which we're going to cover today. So it is. A for- there, there will be spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel like at this point we should have to tell people that we're going to spoil it for them. I mean, guys, this is a great documentary. I'd highly recommend it, but guys, if you're listening to this, you got to understand we're like, just from here on out, no more spoiler alerts. We're, we're going to, we're going to talk about the documentary. The whole, <laughs> the whole concept is based around spoiler alerts. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so it is a, it is a four part uh, docu-series. Each episode is about 45 minutes long. Um, so the total runtime I think is three hours. It's three hours and 12 minutes uh, is the full runtime. Yeah, they break it down. They break it down into four parts. Okay. Um, there's, and part one is titled The Heist. Part two is titled uh, The Frozen Body, which we'll talk about. Uh, part three is The Suspects. And part four is The Confessions, is how they, is how they have it broken down. So 
in episode one, they kind of get right into it and they kind of just explain like what actually happened here. So for those of you who don't know, uh, essentially what happened here is a man uh, named Brian Wells walked into a bank in Erie, Pennsylvania in 2003 uh, with a shirt on that was covering up a bomb. He, a bomb that was on a collar around his neck. He was carrying a, 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 a cane gun, like a homemade gun that was a cane Passing note to a it teller. Was a shotgun, it was a shotgun made to look like a cane. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he passed a note to a teller to rob this bank. He got some money. Goes outside. The cops end up catching him outside, um, or down the street or something. And the news news get there. I mean, there's cameras. It's all like live on television. You know, they get him handcuffed. He tells them he has a bomber on his neck, and they talk to him a little bit to figure out what's going on. He's pleading for their assistance. And then time runs out, the bomb goes off, it explodes, and Brian dies. And then in, in, the, in the investigation, the immediate investigation, basically they find these notes, these handwritten notes, uh, I think on his person and also in his vehicle. They have like a series of instructions that he's supposed to follow in order to rob the bank and also, you know, the scavenger hunt essentially to get the collar off his neck. It's... Uh, Super, it's, it's, it's a very complicated situation. It's a very complicated uh, set of circumstances. We're not going to break it down in its entirety because there's just too much to it. But I do want to start out with, they. I couldn't believe in this document. They actually showed the explosion. Like they, yeah, they didn't show till the end, though, thankfully. Well, you, in episode one, they show it for a second. They don't show it very yeah, quickly. They don't but they show, do- like, explode. But, like... At the end, they showed it, and I'm like, oh, this is just going to be a clip, like the first time where he's just sitting there, and then it fucking goes off, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they show it, like they do, they do show, they do, do show the guy getting exploded. Uh, he doesn't die, he didn't die immediately, though, which is. You say, you, I'm sorry, did you say getting exploded? Yeah, he got exploded. <laughs> um, I. It, he doesn't die immediately though. And that's, that's part of like, so in episode one, they do, they do like, they do a rec- recreation of the family statement, which again, I don't know why we're doing recreations of these documentaries. Just cover it. Don't recreate it. But they do a, a recreation. Um, the family is super offended. Cause this is something that I was like shocked to hear, but in this investigation, in order to maintain the collar, cause the, the, the Oh yeah. The police Jesus. law enforcement wanted to maintain the collar. That way they could use it for evidence. They cut his fucking head off. They cut dude's head off to preserve the collar in the effort to preserve its evidentiary value. And then later on, they basically say like, well, we didn't get that much from it. You know what yeah. I mean? And then like, and then like at one point, holding up the collar, like they have it like obviously in evidence. And they, in the documentary, the FBI agent who was investigating this, he actually shows you the collar that the guy was wearing. Yeah, I was fucked up. It's kind of it's can kind we, of crazy. Can we, can we backtrack um, just to that whole situation? I felt like obviously, you know, you're sitting there and I knew what was going to happen. So I felt really bad for the pizza guy. And then I'm like looking and the cops had their guns drawn on him. Well, this guy's in handcuffs and sitting next to his car. And then it went off and the cops didn't run over there to offer aid, which I later... Uh, it made more sense because the bomb squad had to come by and make sure there's no more bombs like in the car that he was leaning against or like on his person. So I just have to say like that, that was such a terrible, I feel like I obviously 
feel terrible for the pizza guy, feel terrible for his family. I also feel terrible for those cops because there's there's you're watching somebody who you're like, this guy could die at any minute. And they literally were like, Hey, you, you have to stay there because you know, if he would have got up and ran towards him and had gone off or if he had ran towards traffic and had gone off and killed somebody else. So you're basically saying, Hey man, uh, you need to sit there or, and blow up by yourself or we're going to shoot you and then you're going to blow up. So it's the whole thing was, I felt so, I felt bad for the cops. I was like, that's gotta be a, that's gotta be a horrible uh, thing to live with. Yeah, that'd be a terrible situation. I mean, if, yeah, if he would have like jumped up and said, "Like I'm, I'm, I want your help, come help me," he started walking towards those cops, like they would have, they would have, they would have shot him, and they would have been. You could make the argument they would have been legally justified in shooting him, but then it's like, so, I mean, episode one and kind of like the whole, the whole theme of this entire docu series, really, other than just kind of get to the bottom of what actually happened here, is like, what was Brian Wells's involvement? in this other than the guy who got freaking exploded and robbed the bank. You know what I mean? Like Brian Wells, right? Brian Wells. Yeah. Brian Wells. That was was the victim's name. Wow. Victim is that's okay. We're going to have, we're going to have to debate about that later, but so at the end of episode one, you know, they kind of leave you with what was his involvement. There's also a second guy, a coworker of this guy, Brian Wells. He has a coworker and I didn't get his name. His name Bob something or Robert something. He ends up like suspiciously overdosing like a day or two after this incident. And so the, F, the, the, the law enforcement, they realize like immediately, like basically we've got so, something's going on here. Like this is, there's obviously this thing by itself is crazy. Now we got this coworker who ends up dead. Like there's, there's more to it. Well, I mean, but the guy had, a, had a history of drug problems and he overdosed. I mean, I probably would have been like, you got to investigate it, but you're probably not going to find anything. That's, I mean, just, I mean, you know, his friend or coworker just died. If, you know, if I, I, my drug of choice is, is whiskey. Um, if I drank myself to death after you got blown up, if you got exploded, uh-huh. uh, I mean, that's not, doesn't mean we're, they're tied together. Yeah. But we're, we're going to get into that. Cause it, it, it gets, it gets a little interesting here later on in the documentary, but uh, in episode two, so we'll go right into episode two here. Uh, it starts out with this guy named Bill Rothstein, who he's a real gen. I'll tell you, just everybody involved in this situation, like all the, the, the so horrible. I mean, they are just yeah. uh, man, what a ragtag group of people! Holy yeah. cow! Um, I don't know what's in the water in Erie, Pennsylvania, but holy cow, dude, uh, they uh, uh, they were not they're not good people. Uh, what a what a group what a group the magnificent seven or whatever yeah what a group of friends so uh this bill rothstein guy calls in um to the police department to report that there is a frozen body in a freezer and that this woman um and you're going to hear her name a lot in this documentary and on this podcast uh this episode at least uh, her name is marjorie deal armstrong i believe it's how he pronounced her last name yeah, Marjorie. We'll call her Marjorie. And yeah. uh, he says that basically this Marjorie woman uh, had murdered this man. And uh, Bill says that he helped her move the body, basically. And it's in a freezer at his house. And the cops need to come because she's dangerous and he's afraid. And which this guy, I don't this guy. I I was kind of confused about the afraid thing. But then I, I guess like she just fucking shot somebody. So 
Well, I was just say like the size comparison. This guy looked like he was descended from hill giants. <laughs> All right, <laughs> he was a very large man. But then I was like, well, I did. You know, later on in the documentary, you see him try to walk up some stairs. And it's clear he's like not very balanced or his weight's an issue because he's overweight too. But yeah, it's just, I was like, what, is, what does he need protection from? Like, I think if a, a car hit him, it would bounce off. Yeah, he needs Like protection. he is so big. He was probably like six, five or six, six. He was a big guy. Yeah, he needs protection from cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Because that, yeah, he was a large gentleman. And, basically how it turns out is that bill and marjorie used to date they know each other for decades and like 30 years or something crazy. yeah and it's like when this when this part comes up in this documentary first of all the, the initial thing with brian wells and the collar bomb and it's like just it, that in and of itself is so crazy like out of left field like it's just so like you've never heard of it before like it's something so unique so different and it's just so yeah it's just so convoluted and then when episode two starts and they're talking about a, a dead body in a freezer, it's just like, holy, who are these people? What kind, uh, of, I was, what I was kind like, of monsters are these people? What is going on? Listen, they they should just poison the water supply out there and start over because this, uh, this town is just full of, obviously, it's got a lot of bad people in it. I guess I shouldn't say full of, but... Everybody in this documentary is just a god awful human being. Oh yeah, it's just it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's so. The Bill Bill willfully gives it comes on the police station and gives like a statement, a recorded statement, uh, as to what happened. And he basically admits what he says happened is that uh, Marjorie uh, killed her boyfriend. She shot her boyfriend, and Bill and Marjorie called him for help. Bill went over there and he uh, agreed to help her remove the body from her house. And then he took it to his house. And then when she wanted him to dispose of the body permanently, uh, that was too, like too over the line for him. And so that's when he had to report it. Cause he did, he's, you know, whatever. And it's all, oh, it's a big that's convoluted story. That's, that's what he, said. that's what he said happened now, Marjorie. Cause obviously then they go pick up Marjorie, whatever Marjorie's story is that, Bill killed this guy. His name, I shouldn't say this guy because he is probably the only innocent person in this entire situation. No, no, no. He was part of it. No, he agreed to be part. Okay, we're, we're jumping ahead yeah. here. Okay. But um, his, his name was Jim. I think his last name was Roden or Raiden. Uh, he was like Marjorie's boyfriend of many years. And she claimed that Bill killed him like in jealousy because Bill was in love with her. And so Bill killed him. And then she, I guess, was too afraid to report it because she was afraid Bill might hurt her. I, I don't know. Like, there's so many gaps in these people's story. It's unbelievable. Uh, it, listen, it, and all of them, like, just if their mouth, if they, if their mouth is open, they're lying. Oh yeah. Well, and what's crazy to me throughout this entire documentary is like, especially like Marjorie, uh, for sure. But even Bill, and uh, later on, we'll get into uh, Ken Barnes, like. For some, for for these people to have uh, been involved in a situation like this, they talked so much, so openly to everybody. Yeah, they're like, yeah, well, this is what happened. It's unreal. Like Marjorie, like from the first time she's arrested, she's in jail, 
I don't, she hasn't even been like indicted yet on the murder for this guy. She's just like in, in custody awaiting a bail hearing. She calls a reporter at his news station and gives a, a jailhouse interview about the situation. Like what, what are you doing? And, and what, she, what she's doing, what, she, what she's doing. And I don't, I, I don't know if it's, it's, I think it's yeah, still in this episode is Marjorie's kind of a, a veteran when it comes to killing boyfriends. I was just going to say, so <laughs> apparently um, she she got fucking convicted of murdering a boyfriend like, was it 20 years before or something like that? No, it wasn't. First of all, she didn't get convicted. She got acquitted. She got acquitted. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, she got acquitted. So in 1984, she was dating a guy named Robert Thomas. She shot, she shot this poor guy <laughs> six, six fucking times as he lay asleep on a couch. Okay, she was acquitted. Gentlemen, that's a reminder. Be nice to your wives. <laughs> she, was because... a, she was acquitted on the claims of self-defense. I guess she claimed that he was abusive. And so she like saw her opportunity to kill this guy. And so she took it. Um, Wait, like, okay. And then she had a husband at some point who died. <laughs> they said he, she said, he fell and hit his head on the table. On a coffee table, yeah. On a coffee table and died. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, listen, what are the chances what? she? What are the chances she killed him? Right. I mean, well, come on. Let's be honest I mean, here. Let's. That's. <laughs> we got two two confirmed kills for for people for men that she was with. Yeah. And we got one that died under mysterious circumstances. I mean, or question. Yeah. I guess I guess questionable circumstances would be better than mysterious because, I mean. Listen, if my wife ever says I fell and hit my head and died, if I wasn't drinking, you need to investigate. <laughs> all right. She probably killed me and I probably deserved it, but I would I'm just saying. Yeah, I think in all, I think that they've tied or there are five romantic partners that that major Marjorie had in her life that died under suspicious circumstances, not including the two that were flat out shot. <laughs> the two that were definitely so there were there were two that were shot <laughs> clearly murdered one guy <laughs> cracked his skull on a coffee table and then two other guys i don't know what was suspicious about their their untimely deaths but there are two other dudes that she was like romantically linked to that died suspiciously i'm i'm gonna go with, with an overdose of marjorie oh my cause yes. of death yes Dude, this lady is is the stuff that uh, black widows are named after. I mean, she just, just, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wild, man. So yeah, they get it. So then they get into a little bit more. One thing this documentary does is a couple different times throughout it. It kind of goes, it jumps back and forth. Like in the very very beginning, it starts out with kind of giving you um, some of the background on Marjorie, like kind of her bring her childhood and her coming up, and um, then it goes into like the stuff that happened to Brian. In this situation here, when we start talking, when Bill gets introduced. They start talking about some of the history of Bill and who he was and his childhood and whatever and his relationship to Marjorie over the years. Essentially, what it seems like is at one point, Marjorie and Bill were engaged. They've had on-again, off-again relationships. Bill's got a friend that's interviewed in the documentary where basically he says that like Marjorie's got some kind of like mental hold on Bill. Like basically he's, I don't know, she must have some like bomb-ass, bomb-ass punani because... I mean, I guess Bill would just follow her to the end of the world. I mean, ultimately pussy whipped, I guess is the best way to say it. I don't know how else to say it. I, 
you know, so it's some people just got a thing for for that one that one girl. Every they just can't figure it out. I guess when she was younger, she was like very beautiful. What people said, uh, I didn't see it, but at the at the risk of sounding misogynistic. Oh shit! Here we go. When I saw a video, the video of her when she's older, not a chance. Nope. <laughs> what? No fucking way, dude. That would be no. There's no fucking way, man. There's just no way. So my my major thing with her is she has even like pictures of her as a kid. She's got the craziest fucking eyes I've ever seen. Listen, she's got shark eyes, man. Like a doll's <laughs> eyes. Like. They're fucking dead. She's dead behind the eyes. It's, and, and there was at one point a witness who said, yeah, she looked me in the eyes. And I'll never like it was like a casual thing, too. He said, I made eye contact with her and it's been five years. and I can't forget that face. <laughs> yeah dude she she does she she looks even like when they showed the pictures of when she was younger i mean listen there are just some like i don't know what it is and again maybe this is gonna sound terrible but i don't give a shit there are some people that when you see them when you interact with them you can just you just sense it from like a human level like this person is not right like this there's something wrong here there's something off like you're just something about this person the way they're presenting themselves the way they're looking at you their body language you can just sense that they, they are not right. Like there's, there, it's, it's not a good situation. And like, even when you look at pictures of her, which is like in high school and stuff, like you can just see it in the pictures that she is like, I can't explain it. You just, you can just tell, you just feel it that she's just not somebody you want in your life. Yeah. Uh, she's like a fucking human tornado and you don't want her around you. Like you yeah. just feel it. I feel like, I feel like you look in her eyes and you're like, like you should be able to uh, think to yourself that woman is going to literally destroy my life or end it and just walk away. But Bill, uh, apparently, yeah, Bill, Bill dug it, man. Bill dug yeah, it. Well, even Bill like into it. at one point, they're interviewing where like Marjorie's like best friend or childhood friend or whatever, and she says like how Marjorie's is a great person and she's ex- extremely intelligent, uh, very, very you know, out there person, whatever. But then her friend's like, you know, she was a lot like after we'd hang out, I'd have to relax. Like I have to go home and relax. I have to go home and relax after hanging out with her because she's intense. She's so intense, which that sounds great. I mean, what a fun friend to have, right? That like you have to schedule relaxation time after your hangout. (laughs) Jesus, dude. That's, I mean, going to work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But then Marjorie, they ask her about like her relationship with Bill, whatever. This is what I thought was kind of funny, I guess. I don't know if it's funny. I don't know. But she says that Bill wanted to do like perverted sex stuff. She said he wanted to put his penis in her legs. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I mean, I'm, I I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like the list you rattled off, it didn't it sound that perverted to me. <laughs> I mean, it didn't. It, it was like, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to put parental locks on your computer at home. All right. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> like, internet. I'm just, I mean, it didn't sound that bad. And I mean, she, listen, she admit like the one thing about Marjorie is she acknowledges that she's mentally ill throughout, like throughout a bunch of times in this documentary and these interviews, like she says it numerous times that she's bipolar. And again, that I'm not making fun of anybody with mental illness. Mental illness is a very serious thing. It's a very real thing and, and people should get help if they need help. Yeah. But, but like, it's not an excuse for crazy ass behavior. I mean, and that's, that's the thing is that is that somebody later on says you have to remember that this is a very sick woman. Mm-hmm. You also have to remember 
there are people diagnosed with her mental illness that live perfectly normal lives or that, that don't kill people. Right. They don't do these things. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah. So I'm not making fun of mental illness, but she definitely, there's something not very, not right with, with her, obviously. One thing I do want to also point out, and I don't, I don't know if, I don't know what this says about this group of people, but did you, I'm sure you noticed this. It's hard not to, but every person's house involved in the situation, oh. every single oh. person's, every suspect, every person involved, they execute a search warrant on their house is like hoarding would be, level would be nightmare. A season finale for hoarders. Every yeah. freaking house. Unbelievable. I, I've been in houses like that for work and. I felt bad for the cops I had to search through there because the 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 overwhelming smell is the worst problem of it. It's not just the fact you're walking through everything and it's crazy and the things are stacked on top of each other. There's always an odor. And they, mm-hmm. all these people had pets. Well, they found two dead cats in her house. Yeah. What the what the shit? <laughs> yeah, I I don't get it, man. I don't I don't get it. like and like I bring that up because so you know, Bill reports this body in the freezer to the police. And so they go to execute a search warrant on his house, or I don't probably need a warrant. I think he probably, they probably had his permission. Yeah, he brought them there. And so they do find this guy wrapped up in a, in a freezer in the garage. And the house is just like, it's, it's unlivable. I just, I don't, I don't, it's unlivable. Yeah. Um, what I thought was wild later in episode two like they actually show this guy's freaking body. Like, cause they, they, it was a whole process. They had to take the freezer out of the garage. They had to thaw the freezer. Cause his body so, was like frozen to the sides of it. Yeah. And they just thaw his body, which they said took several hours. And then they, and, they, they show his body. Like they show it in yeah. this documentary. I mean, it was mostly wrapped up in plastic though. Uh, towards the end though, man, they, they showed like his leg and stuff. Yeah. So I think the, the part of the documentary where I was just like, what dude why would you say that in front of a camera the cop said it's sort of like when you buy a turkey from the supermarket yes i was like yes. why why would you why would you say that on camera man well, and then the one cop when they first the detective the state trooper when they first talking about it he's like open the freezer and there he was wrapped up like a side of beef <laughs> like, oh, oh my God. i mean these are the same people that cut that guy's head off to get the collar <laughs> so i, I mean to say i mean yeah uh, yeah so so yeah, so so essentially at this point, you know, Bill's blaming Marjorie, Marjorie's blaming Bill. Bill ends up giving like a green to give the cops a tour of the crime scene. I mean, he he admits that like yeah, I moved the body, I don't know what else to do, I don't want her to get in trouble. But then she asked me to like grind it up, and I didn't want to do that. But then yeah. he admits to this, and because she, she makes the claim that like he went like they they took X in furtherance to dispose of the body so much so that he went and he bought supplies. Uh, he bought like tarps. Uh, he was researching buying a commercial meat grinder. Um, oh yeah, that was. So I mean, he brought up some yucky images. It was great on my my hangover stomach. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, so I mean, like this guy, like he you know denied killing the guy, but I just I I was like at, at this point episode two, like I was very confused as to like what was going on, how this tied in anything. Obviously, it gets explained later, but yeah, um, it just it was very confusing to me. Not that the documentary was doing a bad job at explaining the story, but it was just it was in this moment. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So Bill ends up giving um, a tour of the crime scenes of Marjorie's house and of his own house to show them like exactly where everything happened. 
And one thing that struck me during this, this part of the documentary in episode two is Bill is emotionless. Like he, yeah. he, you could tell he's almost like loving it. He's cherishing going around. He's like, ask them, do you have any questions? Any questions? Okay, let's move on. Like, like a fucking tour guide. It was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah and, uh, it, and they kept telling, uh, they kept saying, the cops and the interviewers kept saying like, oh yeah, Bill's a really intelligent guy. He's a really, mm-hmm. really smart guy. And Bill well, flat out told an FBI agent who came in to ask him questions. He said, he, he told the FBI agent, listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm the smartest person in the room. Like what's, mm-hmm. what's, what, what purpose does that solve? Mm-hmm. That, that I don't understand. Like, I, I, I guess like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an asshole, but you know, I, I don't just randomly tell people they're dumber than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially I mean, when they're a law enforcement officer investigating you for your involvement in a murder. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be, <laughs> if that happens, listen, I will be the most polite person on the planet. Um, and then, uh, then this is then this this part after this tour. This is where it starts unraveling for the this group of people here. Um, Bill asked the cops yeah, if this is if, this is when it starts unraveling. Yeah, this is when it starts. All well, fucked up everything, isn't this? Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is when their story, the, the whole story, starts really shaking loose. Um, Bill, for some reason, claimed that he was gonna. After it had happened, uh, after he had moved the body and stuff, he uh, had attempted to kill himself allegedly, and he said he wrote a suicide note, and the suicide note was addressed to the police. And number one, the first thing, the very first thing on this note says that this is his that this situation is not involved in the wells case so he just and his, his explanation to the cops at the time is that he didn't want the cops to waste their time he was afraid they might think the two were connected and so he just want to make it very clear not, not to waste the cops time which i mean that's like the all i mean you are telling on yourself a hundred percent like this yeah. is where this is where I'm like clearly this is these two things are connected yeah obviously because there's his no house is like his house is literally uh, when, when the cops backtracked the pizza guy, they figured out where he had been. Like he's the, the cop said, okay, so we followed his tire. We followed the notes in the pizza guy's car. We went to those last scheduled delivery and it was this weird spot. And uh, we found his tire tracks. We found his boot prints. And then we saw, found a sign of a scuffle. And that, that area that happened at, it's like a stone throw from Bill's house. Yeah, it's right up the road. It's like what? a radio, that's, that's a so radio tower. Yeah, I mean, and then the other, <laughs> and then there's some parts that Bill left out to the investigators. Uh, for example, I guess Bill was having some issues with his family. His family wanted to sell this house that he inherited for like ninety thousand dollars was worth. Bill had it listed for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which was well over market, which just so happens to be the amount of money that was requested in the ransom or not the ransom note, but in the bank note. Um, and then the instructions for, for Wells to, to get from the bank, it was a quarter of a million dollars. It just, these, these numbers just happen to match up, you know, Yeah, which is weird. I'd say questionable. Uh-huh. And so, but Bill, Bill does take a polygraph and they say he passed the polygraph, which again, polygraphs are bullshit. And this is this this is I'm so glad that they included this in this documentary because it just goes to show how much bullshit polygraphs actually are. So they asked Bill about his involvement in the in the Wells case, 
and in this his involvement in this uh, this you know body in his freezer thing, Bill passes the polygraph. Okay, saying that he had no involvement in the Wells thing. Then it comes to find out that there's a guy named Floyd Stockton who sounds like a real piece of shit. Uh, he was apparently on the run because he had sexually assaulted a disabled teenager. Uh, I think it was in Seattle or something. And he had a warrant for his arrest and he had been hiding out at Bill's house. And he had left or moved out the day after this heist uh, involving Wells occurred. They end up tracking this motherfucker down. And he also passes a lie detector, a, a lie detector test regarding the heist. So now you have two of these motherfuckers, both put on lie detectors, both pass in, regarding their involvement in the heist. This this is important later on in the documentary, <laughs> later on in the story. And then Bill ends up cutting a deal because I mean he did this, he broke the law. He he moved the dead body, he helped conceal a dead body, a dead body, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he ended up cutting a deal with prosecutors, and Marjorie obviously ends up going down for this murder, uh, essentially because she is the one that and killed the guy. They they gave Bill like seven years, so with good behavior, he'd be out in like three and a half. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and I think, but then, so when Marjorie is uh, being led, she's in some court appearance, and when she's being led out, she yells out that Bill should be charged with killing Brian Wells. So it's the first time that they're able to like succinctly link Bill, at least Bill and Marjorie, with this Brian Wells case, with this uh, this bombing, this this collar bomb thing, um, and then of course, Bill, our buddy Bill here. He ends up dying of cancer before any of this can get fleshed out. So Bill ends up dying. Um, a nicer guy. In the documentary, they kind of suppose because of his uh, his type of cancer. I don't remember. I think it was some kind of lymphoma. He had it was very progressed and it was like Oxygen. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was all it was all over the place. And so they suppose that it's possible that Bill knew he had cancer and knew he was dying. That might have been something he had in mind as to why he would even be involved in any of this in the first place. But they ask him, they, they give him, this FBI agent ends up like speaking with him uh, on his, when he's on his deathbed, essentially in the hospital. And Bill on his deathbed denied having any involvement in the, in the Wells case whatsoever. He just, he denied it even on his deathbed. After Bill dies, Marjorie admits to having killed Jim, uh, her boyfriend Jim, and she ends up she ends up pleading guilty, but you know guilty but it, guilty but insane, basically what she says. Well, and, she also well she also tried to use the same excuse to get her out the last time. Oh, he was abusing me. Mm-hmm. So hey, she ends guys, up just just FYI, if you hear random noises over here, my neighbors are trying to burn down the whole goddamn neighborhood with fireworks. Um, so if you hear my windows rattle or me hit the floor, it's not a big deal. It's just my neighbors trying to kill themselves and everyone around them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So she, so she played, she played guilty, uh, pulled, but insane. And she was sentenced to seven years in a psychiatric hospital, uh, seven years for a fucking murder, for a murder. Yeah. How did that happened for a murder. And then a concealment of the body, yeah. which, is, which is wild. So at this point, at the end of episode two here, Trey, who is like the, I'll say he's the narrator. He's kind of like the guiding voice throughout the documentary. He writes a letter to Marjorie because he becomes the, like obsessed. the Mickey, the Mickey Rourke of this episode. Yeah, he he becomes like obsessed with this case, and he just wants to know more about it. So he ends up reaching out to Marjorie, and Marjorie 
kind of does what she does later on here too. Is she agrees to talk to Trey, but she wants, like, and she agrees to give him secrets about the Wells case so long as she gets paid or gets legal help, which brings us into episode three. And this part I didn't really understand. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why they did this. I, mean, I guess I get for the documentary why they did it. But so Marjorie, Trey does arrange for uh, Marjorie to speak with a lawyer, and the, the the interview with the lawyer is taped, and it's in the documentary. Um, I don't know if it's because spoiler alert, Marjorie has since has since passed. Uh, Marjorie, you know, I'm sorry if you're upset about that. Uh, it's all her family and friends, but Marjorie is dead. Um, so I don't know if that's that's why they were able to include this interview because you'd think that'd be a privileged conversation, no? I mean, she's talking to a lawyer. Well, Marjorie agreed to it because she thought that the the whole thing was going to be help exonerate her. That's true. That's so true. Yeah, and that's... every time they talk to Marjorie, she just starts screaming. Like it's very obvious that she has has issues mm-hmm. uh, and some sort of mental illness, but it's. She'll like just start screaming about random stuff. So you really don't get a whole lot of long-term good information out of her. I feel like with her, it's like you get five minutes of good information and then she's just randomly screaming about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, she, she's, she's, she's a talker. I mean, she's, she would talk your ear off. Reminds me of your first wife. <laughs> Not the second one. She's quiet. <laughs> Oh shit. Good time. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So <laughs> um, Marjorie, she ends up writing a letter to the Pennsylvania state police. Um, and basically we're saying that she has information about a, a fishing buddy of hers, but then that doesn't play. So then she admits that she has information about the pizza bomber, but it's because she wants to move to a different prison, but it's like, it's she, she ends up like, you can tell like she's so and the documentary is very good at like, explaining this is she's super manipulative. Like she's really good yeah, at playing people. And it's like, you know, she, with Trey, like you do this for me and I'll give you this little bit, even though then she like drags her feet and doesn't really. And the same thing with the police. Like she tells the police, I'll help you with this, but do you got to do this for me? So she gets like, she, she gets moved around to different prisons, different facilities on the hopes that she's going to divulge information, but then she kind of really doesn't or kind of gives half truths. And um, yeah, she's like a super, just a super manipulative person. One thing I thought was strange, you know, they talk about this um, this blue van that Bill owned. I guess the first detective, the first state trooper, somebody was investigating right after the thing happened. There was like a blue van in this field that he saw. I don't know how that doesn't get investigated further at the time. You know, they make a point of it, like this documentary, this documentarian, Trey, the guy who wrote the documentary. He says when he went to go interview Bill at his house, like he reviewed footage and he saw that the, this blue van was like in his footage and he shows it to the cop and the cop's like blown away and the cop's like, yeah, that's definitely the van I saw. Why? Well, I don't know why they wouldn't have followed that lead up at the time, especially when you had the other detective in this. Uh, I think I don't know if he's FBI agent or ATF or somebody, but he says, he makes this quote, which I just, I, I don't understand. I, why? He said that <clears throat> coincidences don't happen in murder cases. That couldn't be the that is the 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 most closed-minded thought I can think of <laughs> for an investigator to say. Of course, coincidences happen in murder cases. Coincidences happen all the time. That's that's coincidences. The, I mean, that's not to say that there are things here that obviously point to one direction or not, but. I mean, that, I thought that was a, a crazy thing for this guy to say. Coincidences can't happen or don't happen in murder cases. That's wild. And the other thing is when the when Trey is showing Bill's friend the 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 note, the, these notes from the uh, the robbery or whatever, 
And then they look at like the impression note that's like behind, like, you know, if you write a piece of paper, there's like an impression left on the, on the yeah. underneath it. So they analyze that and they enhance that. And the, this friend is like blown away and he's able to 100% swear on a stack of Bibles. I identify that that is his friend's handwriting. Listen, me and Kay have been friends for going on 22 years. At least. Yeah. I couldn't identify your writing out of, a group of people listen i i don't know that i could testify under oath that matt knows how to write do you understand i so, i do but i just close my fist around the pencil and drag it around the paper yeah it's mostly it's i, I from what i recall it's mostly shapes and yeah caricatures you know i mean like you're not going to write like i am hungry you're going to draw like a, a a slice of pizza to let us know that you're hungry right i mean yeah, that's okay. that's usually how i communicate so i mean so High school is tough. I mean, listen, if you if you asked a kindergartner to write like a confession to killing JFK on a piece of paper and show that to me, I would say like, yeah, that's Matt is confessing to killing JFK. That's what that's what this is. This is Matt's confession to being able to number one, uh, kill JFK, and number two, time travel, um, both of which are are very very serious offenses. That I mean, I was I was I was the third guy. They never talk about the third shooter. The grassy so it was two. Yep. <laughs> grassy Noel. Yep, I was standing over his shoulder. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just, I, that was, I don't understand that. Uh, it was pretty wild. And then it gets into the, some more, like in episode three here, there's more, some more witnesses that like somebody says they saw her driving on the highway the wrong way at the time of the, this Wells thing. And the UPS, and he, UPS guy said he saw her at the gas station. That was the guy that said, I will never forget her face. It's been yeah. four years and I'll never forget those eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's UPS Which, driver. That's a red flag because as a UPS driver, you have to see a lot of freaking crazy people. And this guy said, I will never forget those eyes. He looked visibly shaken recalling it. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> he talked about that the same way that like soldiers and police officers talk about like seeing a body or something. Yeah. It's like, I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah. It's like he didn't want to talk too loudly, or he might like summon her ghost or something. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he was real. Yeah, he was shaking. He was. Um, he was yeah, that, that dude was shook. Anyway, and then, so then uh, here, episode three. Then again, some some prison, some some inmates, some uh, uh, roommates of Mar Marjorie, I guess, uh, basically claim that she confesses to them about the involvement for some reason. Like these. Oh, I, I know why. For some reason, these so these inmates. Like, one inmate, they takes notes. And they forward this on to the police and the police, I guess, just file it in to a file they call the snitch letters, which yeah, funny, but also like, I, I get it. I understand because jailhouse informants are notoriously unreliable, right? I mean, I think there's all kinds of examples of that throughout our criminal justice yeah, system. You get promised things like, well, you know, drop your sentence. We'll put more money in your commissary, you know, like coming up with, Bullshit facts is the easiest way for them to get more stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I understand why they would take those with a grain of salt. I just can't believe that they wouldn't be like, okay, we have to at least look at them and look into them, but maybe. Well, and then the FBI agent was like, we didn't see this letter for like three years mm -hmm. because nobody communicated it to us. And once again, this just shows like how multi-agencies are all, way too busy when they're working together measuring their penis size to actually like function as a team they're, they're they like several times in this there's examples of this and it's just like 
guys, you're, you're all fucking working to put this woman away. Right. So wouldn't it make sense for you to work together? Why? What, what's, what's the, what's, who cares who gets the feather in their cap? Yeah. I don't know. Just, it's just a thing. It's just a thing for them. Uh, and then we're inter- Then we get this, this, her fishing buddy kind of gets more involved here in the documentary. His name is Ken Barnes. He's also a real, just a real beaut of a person. And it, basically it comes out in the documentary here that they have information that Brian Wells would drive a prostitute to this guy's house. And oh, the pizza guy, the guy the, killed. Yeah, the pizza man. guy would, uh, would pick up a prostitute and take her to this Ken guy named Ken Barnes's house. They would go upstairs. He would pay her for sex. She would then go downstairs and buy crack off of Ken, which the FBI agent referred to as one stop shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of that it's it's such a sad situation, but I laughed when he oh said my that. God, it, it was an arrangement all three of them were very comfortable with. Oh my! I, I thought, are, are they fucking in Ken's bed? Like, yeah, because- that's how they described it. That basically his house again. His house was an absolute pigsty, but on the second floor, there's a room with a mattress in the middle, which is where he, where one he slept, and two. People would come and bring prostitutes. That way, they could pay the prostitutes. The prostitutes could buy drugs from Ken. Oh, that mattress! I bet if you hit it with a black light, you can see it from space. Oh yeah, thing. <laughs> I mean, that thing has got to be disgusting. If I was a cops, I would have fucking burned that thing. Oh man, yeah. Oh god, that was so gross. I just, I mean, ah, man, desperate people. Desperate just, people doing yeah. desperate things. And, and so in Barnes, Barnes in his, his interview, uh, his initial interview even with the um, with the police, he basically discloses that Marjorie solicited him to kill her father over some like inheritance issue. Yeah. And that they would do this bank robbery as a way of paying him the money. And Barnes says that he was joking, but he, again said that he needed $250,000 in order to do this. So here's this number again. Of all the numbers, of all the amounts in the world, all of a sudden Barnes says he jokingly threw out the number $250,000. And he said he needed half up front. So he said, yeah, I'll need $100,000. And I was like, buddy, half of $250,000 is $125,000. That's basic math. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, like I said, these 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 are some high functioning people here, um, and these people drive. Well, not, not these people; these people are all dead. But people like this, they they are among us. They drive cars, uh, they vote for Trump, and they uh, <laughs> and, you know, and they have as many rights as you and I. And we're all Americans; oh we're all on the same team, and we need to just you know band together and uh, you know. You know, same team, one country, one country, one love. You know what I mean? Oh, man. <laughs> so at the end of episode three, Ken Barnes just cracks and he admits his involvement. He admits his involvement in the Wells thing, says he was involved in the Wells, the Wells deal, and that Marjorie was the mastermind. She was the mastermind on the whole thing. I can't. Okay. Yeah. So going into episode four, was Ken the one that got total immunity from the thing? No, that's, the- no, that's the, that's the, the pedophile. That's, that's the sex criminal. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sex criminal that gets complete immunity. Uh, the guy. Okay. So, so Barnes confesses, implicates everyone. 
And we're, we're just going to, we're just going to break this down. Like as to what actually they think actually happened here. Cause it's kind of just broken down episode four as to whose roles were what essentially from what it seems is that Marjorie and bill plotted the robbery and then they brought other people on board. All right. So like Barnes. 10. Yeah. So, so Ken Barnes was brought on, was so Ken Barnes was brought on board to assist Bill's uh, roommate was brought on to assist with the plot. Bill's roommate, and I want to get this guy's fucking name, Floyd, who I, who I believe is still alive and is free to to roam the earth. Yeah, he's married now. Yeah, he. So he's the one who they said actually put the collar on Brian Wells. Yeah, he's the one who actually attached the collar onto Brian Wells' neck. He got um, total immunity from everything on it yeah yeah because he 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 and it was crazy is he agreed to cooperate and then he had heart surgery when marjorie's trial was going on so he wasn't even asked to testify yeah so he basically got off for nothing yeah he got off for he got he got immunity for doing nothing nothing except heart surgery on our dime because he was in prison (laughs) right so Brian Wells and they they so they tried interviewing this this prostitute because they end up tracking down who this prostitute was that happened to know Ken and Brian. Brian and she basically in her first conversation she ends up uh, saying that you know Brian was a good guy he would take care of her he'd give her money her family knew him he was a nice guy later on we're going to get to this in a second here but. Later, later on, she ends up like being more forthcoming with her involvement in the whole yeah. thing. One thing I thought was weird during this whole thing, especially during episode four, is Trey, our narrator for all intents and purposes, Trey like becomes super involved with these people. Like he becomes like he's in he's in he's constant- letters with and phone calls with these people for years. Oh yeah, with Marjorie, like he he calls yeah. Marjorie, records her conversations. She's aware of he's making a movie documentary about it. They exchange all kinds of freaking notes and letters. He ends up, does uh, Jessica, this, this this prostitute, you know, that was friends with Brian. He tries to get a hold of her. She gives like a short statement, but then blows him off for an interview. She ends up getting arrested and sent to the same prison that Marjorie is is at. They have some kind of like confrontation. Somehow, I forget how Trey says it, but he, somehow he becomes uh, aware that Jessica's incarcerated, so he sends her a letter. Then he's like talking to Jessica behind Marjorie's back and, and, and they're both have different stories as to what happened as far as like this altercation in the jail. Like it's just, it seems so convoluted. Like it just seems like such a mess of a thing. I just, I, I was shocked. Everybody in this documentary are liars and murderers, except the prostitute. Hey, uh, she's not a murderer. Spoiler alert. But everybody else, it, well, I mean, so uh so 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 here's here's the crux of the issue here okay here's the crux of the whole documentary the the documentary not only they try to explain like what happened in the situation and who was involved in whatever and then trey the guy who made the documentary he actually gets like really involved with these people i mean he gets super involved in the story and really makes direct contact really tries to get them to tell him directly he he ends up after Jessica gets released from prison, he ends up getting Jessica to agree to a taped interview in which she confesses. I mean, this, this is a taped confession Yeah. of her, in my opinion, being a co-conspirator in this plot. He knew that the bank robbery was going to go down and Ken told her, I'll give you crack 
if you uh, like a lot of crack, if you can set me up with a patsy to do this. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, this guy's name is Brian. He's a pushover. He's a pushover. Right. And then she gets, cl- she goes to prison. She gets clean and she comes out in this confession. And she's like, I just want it all on the record. He had nothing to do with it. Uh, he was with me during this planning thing. Cause they kept saying that he was a part of, he was a part of it. They, the, the people that got busted said that Brian was a part of it. Well, that's well. So and they, they cover that documentary. So Barnes and uh, Floyd, they both said that Wells was involved, right? Marjorie denied involvement till the day she died. Marjorie never admitted involvement. She claimed she had no involvement in this whatsoever. She had nothing to do with it. She thought it was Bill and Barnes and Floyd and um, Brian. Marjorie thinks that Brian had something to do with it. He was a participant. But the reason why they think that they tied Brian into it is because if he was a co-conspirator, they couldn't get charged with his murder and therefore they couldn't be uh, subject to the death penalty. So by having this person involved that you could try to pin as being a conspirator, they're avoiding the most serious consequence. Yeah. So Jessica, yeah, she admits that she set Brian up, uh, but she said he was a really nice guy. He took care of her. Well, he had her groceries. I mean, well, he was paying sex, but they had some sort of friendship or allegedly or something. I mean, listen, it could have been negative for friendship if, <laughs> if she agreed to give him up as a freaking pig to the slaughter. A, I mean, she's a crackhead. That's yeah. she's addicted to crack. She's gonna she's gonna make bad choices. That's and at the end of the very 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 end of the documentary, they propose they 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 it's like a tagline thing they put up there is that she gave birth shortly after I guess the um the the heist had occurred, and she believes that Brian is the father of her child, and uh, that pictures of of the child closely resemble Brian. So she believes that she is the father, the mother of Brian's child, um, which might be, might mean why she feels or why show why she feels so bad about setting the guy up. You have a hell of a time explaining where the kid's dad is when he starts asking questions. Yeah. So uh, we've mentioned before the documentary ends uh, showing this explosion video. They they show the video of Brian, of, of Brian dying essentially and then they do show they show a, a death photo of him. They blur out his face, but they do show like the rest of his body and they show the bomb on his neck and chest to show you kind of what happened to him. So the documentary ends and the answer they give you, the answer that they're they're giving you, what their theory is, is that Brian was an unwilling participant uh, in the situation, that he was a victim, he was a true victim, that he did not know what was going to happen to him. And this is why I took it. How'd you take it? I, yeah, I, I think he was un, I think he was unwilling victim. I mean, why would the why would the why why so, would so, Sam, so, wait wait wait? So, so you think the documentary? There, right. the, th- the theory is that he's a he's a victim, and your belief is that he was a victim. Yeah. Okay. I disagree. I think why, you. Why would why would Pam come out years later at, when she has nothing to lose by by and I mean she has nothing to gain and everything to lose by saying this. And say this is what happened. I set him up. He was unwilling participant. Why? Why would she? Why would she do that? She doesn't say he was an unwilling participant. She says that she set him up. She does say that she doesn't think that he was at the pre-planning the day before because he was with her till he went to work the day before or whatever. So she says she doesn't think that he was uh, at the pre-planning thing. 
but she doesn't outright say that he was an innocent person. I think that's what her belief is, but she can't prove that he was innocent. All she says is that she set him up and she provided the work schedule, uh, his work schedule uh, to, to, these, to these people, to Ken and, and whoever else. Um, here, here's the documentary points this out. And so the government, the government stance, the official like state's attorney's office or federal, whatever attorney's office, their stance or belief is that Brian Wells was a participant that he, that he might not have known about the entire plot. They don't know. They don't believe that he was aware that the collar, the bomb was real necessarily, or he might not have been mm-hmm. privy to it, that part of it. Um, but that he was aware of the plot and he was a participant, a willing participant up until the point that he died, up until the point that he died. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think, I think he wasn't on it. I just don't know if he knew the whole story, what was all going to happen. I think he got snaked in my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, because a couple of things, like number one, if he was a willing participant, number one, he wouldn't have agreed to put a live bomber on his neck. There's no reason for that. Right. There's, there's been no reason for yeah. especially one that would actively go off. I could see like having a live explosive to like really sell it, but one that has an actual timer where you're really up against the clock. And if you don't, if you're not able to disarm the bomb in time, it, it is going to go off and kill you. Like, I don't, no reasonable person would have agreed to that. Cause a lot could have happened. Like, I don't know, getting stopped by the cops trying to flee a bank robbery that would delay your ability to get back to these people. So they could take this bomb off your neck. Yeah. So I don't think he would have agreed to that. I can't imagine he would agree to that. But there's, there's some things about it, though, like one thing they note in the documentary is his demeanor inside the bank, right? Like he doesn't go in and go up to the counter and push away to yeah. the front. He waits in line patiently, which is strange. And then while he's he grabs in line, a lollipop. grabs a lollipop, stuck on a lollipop, not, not a care in the world, apparently. He passes the note, gets the money. You know, if the note tells you to get $250,000 or you're going to die, I think he walked out of the bank with 8000 if yeah. he wasn't a participant, why would you settle? I'd be like, listen, I need $250,000 or I'm going to die. So fill that fucking bag up because I'm not leaving until you do. Either either I die with, either either I die by myself outside of $250,000 or we all die in here in the bank with $8,000. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, to me, it's like, I don't think he would have, why would you have settled for less than what you needed to get in order to quote unquote save your own life? Um, they said that he walked out of the bank like, kind of the little pep in his step, like yeah, walked, like a Charlie Chaplin kind of deal. Why would they give him a loaded gun? Like, why would they give him a load? And there's a cane shotgun thing. It looked like crap. I don't know if it, I, they said it was functional. I don't know how functional it would have been, mm. but I mean, would, would you have given, so he's a, he's a, he's a kidnapping. He's a essentially a kidnapping victim. Are you going to give this guy, hand this guy a gun and say, go get to work. Why would you give him a gun? He could just shoot you right there. It doesn't make sense. I was curious about that too, but they said that if he didn't, follow the notes instructions then in each spot had like it's like four keys to get the thing off your neck and if you don't follow the instructions then you know you're not gonna get the keys in time and then the, you the thing, separate spots to get the notes and then the, the thing to me the most damning part of it is when the cops have him handcuffed and they're like you know talking to him across the part of the squad car he tells them that a group of black guys a group of black guys did this to him so why would he say that? Like he's, he's arrested. Like he's, he's That's in cuffs. Cool. He has a bomb on his neck. It's ticking. You know, at this point he's getting like nervous. Why would you lie? Why would you lie and say that, you, you know what I mean? Cause that, that's not what happened. It wasn't yeah. a group of black guys. So he, that's a lie. He said to the police, why would you lie about that? That's true. Um, especially in that moment. So to me, I, I think, I honestly think that 
the, the government, the police got it right here. I think that he agreed to be part of it. I just don't think he knew he was going to die. And I think this Marjorie is the one, Marjorie and this Bill guy, I think he just wanted to knock off a witness. As far as the his coworker, Odin, they said that he was somehow involved or he was present for some of this. He probably felt really bad that he was involved in something that his friend died in and maybe he was scared of them. So yeah, yeah. trying to drugs and overdosed. You know, Bill's a piece of shit. He lied. Uh, Floyd's a piece of shit. He lied. Ken Barnes is a piece of shit. He lied. So just all in all, just a whole, just big old bunch of pieces of shit. Um, I can't express to you enough how evil Marjorie comes across just as yeah. a human being. Uh, she's like evil incarnate. It's insane. It's wild. Yeah, she is. She's a very scary. She's a very scary woman. Yeah. So, uh, okay. On our, our, that's 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 the that's the documentary. On a scale from one to six beers, how many zero beers? beers. You watch it again? Zero beers. Yeah, it was great. I thought it was great. Okay. Uh, I might do one just to have something to drink. You know, just to wet my palate a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's it's a good documentary. I think it's really good. I didn't. I didn't love uh, some of the, like how, how involved the director got again. I, I get why he included it because like he had a lot of involvement with, especially in like episode, especially in episode four and even in episode three, but he, he himself is involved in the story because he's the one who writes and makes contact and sets up interviews. He's the one who makes the recordings. So I, I get why he was involved. I just wish there was a way that he wasn't so involved because it kind of takes some of the objectivity out of it. You know what I mean? Because clearly he had an opinion here. He had a perspective. He had a story he wanted to tell through a, through a certain lens. And, uh, you know, obviously his story is that Brian Wells was an innocent person um, yeah. and was, was the victim of a murder, which I could agree with that. I think he was the victim of a murder. I just don't think he was an innocent uh, victim. Fair uh, enough. But so that, that I didn't love, but everything else was really well. I mean, it was, it, the thing is, is, this was an incident that happened like in, I think it was 2003. So it was yeah. modern. So they had like all the newscasting. Most of these people were alive. Like when the documentary was beginning to be made, they were alive for it. So they were able to like actually have con- like, direct contact with the documentary makers, um, which was, which was good. But yeah, I think, I think it was good. I think it's definitely one of the better ones we've watched. That's for yeah. sure. It's, it's long. I mean, episode one, episode one went by super quick. It was super interesting, super quick. And then two, three, and four are so dense. There's just so much that happens. It's just, it's unbelievable um, mm-hmm. how much, how, how convoluted this whole thing got. But it, to me, it, it does feel a little long. Uh, we debated putting this as two episodes instead of just doing one because it is like a very dense yeah. documentary, but uh, I definitely say it's worth a watch. I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, um, yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, so next week it'll be our Fourth of July special. Um, we're gonna have a a fan on. Uh, sh- she is a uh, a captain in the United States uh, military. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, I'm not yep. gonna give you any more information than that. Yep, that'll be that'll be a little surprise for next week. We'll have our first guest on. Uh, we'll surprise you with the documentary. We're not even going to tell you what it's going to be yet. You'll just have to tune in to find out. But yep. uh, as always, make sure you guys subscribe, rate, and review. Check us out anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Uh, we have the socials. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, email account, cancelthepodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's it. Am I forgetting anything? Nope. Same old, same old. So, all right. With that being said, I'm Special K. I'm Matt. See you guys next time.